you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do, or maybe you just struggle to stay healthy in general. This is the Road to Health podcast, and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and make my dreams and goals a reality. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that life throws at me, but by working on developing a healthier mindset, I'm managing to build a firm belief in my own ability to change. No one needs to take this journey alone, so if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Have you ever used drugs, alcohol, or other substances to numb out those feelings? Well, you're not alone, my friend. Hey guys, Tamar here from the Road to Health podcast. So grateful you could join me today. Today is episode number two of my Hope Elevated series. As you also know by now, I am publishing my first book, which is called Hope Elevated, How to Accept Your Past, Gain Clarity, and Develop a Healthy Mindset. I am nervous. I'm excited. I am bearing all which scares the crap out of me. Now, you as my listeners are getting a sneak peek into what the book is going to be about by listening to these episodes. Um, but it has been a roller coaster of emotions to say the least. I am super grateful for my therapist uh, because I went and saw her a few times over the last couple months as I was writing the book and all this stuff was coming out. But you know what? Uh, learning to be vulnerable for me has been a really big step in the right direction. I think it's what I needed at this point in my life. I have often talked about the stuff I've went through with people I trust. But, you know, I really want to put it out there that no matter what you've been through in your life, you don't have to carry that shame around with you anymore um, by sharing it and just being open and honest and vulnerable about the things you've been through. And really, um, you know, for myself, it has been a means to help others, right, through my experience, because I always looked at my past as something that wasn't an asset. You know, I looked at it something, it was just a bunch of screw ups and a bunch of failures. But in reality, those experiences are what have actually given me the experience I need today. So on July 14th, make sure you head over to whatever Amazon site you use, amazon.ca, amazon.com, and purchase the book. It'll be at a discounted rate of 99 cents. And of course, I appreciate your support. It's super important that you purchase it on that day. Um, Working really hard trying to get up to Amazon number one bestseller status. And I hope that through sharing my story, I can help others also, you know, just basically empower them to believe in their own ability to change their lives. So make sure July 14th, write it down on your calendar, download that book. It's only 99 cents. And I so appreciate your support. So diving into today's episode, I'm going to talk about a time in my life that For a very long time, actually, I carried a lot of shame and guilt around with me for I don't often talk about my drug use. There are people in my life that have heard my story uh, when it comes to, you know, people in my recovery circle, but it's just not something that I've really spoken openly about until now. And I feel like the reason I need to share this is because 
when it comes to addiction, there are so many different forms, as I've discussed before. And, you know, it wasn't only alcohol. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that I was an alcoholic from those people that were in my life. But the drug addiction was something that I hid for a very, very long time. Using other substances other than alcohol started very early for me, probably right after I actually started drinking. And, you know, back then it started off with just, you know, smoking some weed and maybe dropping acid once in a while during school. And, you know, um, that was probably the extent of it for the first year, I would say. But then after, you know, I started really kind of kicking it up a notch and my, my drinking became more of a problem, I wasn't afraid to put anything in my body. I remember being handed some pills once and taking them and not even knowing what they were and a friend telling me they were speed. And, you know, I, I, I love stuff like ecstasy. I just, I would try anything. I wasn't, I wasn't fearful that what I might try might kill me. And it just kind of went from there. Now, I actually got to a point once where I went to a party and I was offered these pills, which ended up being speed, as I mentioned. And we went and hotboxed my mother's car. Sorry, mom, that's why I put all the air fresheners in there so that you wouldn't smell the weed the next day. Um, You know, but I actually experienced a couple days later when I was at school I was sitting with some friends and I actually blacked out for I don't know how long, but I was sitting involved in a conversation. And then the next thing I knew, my friends were walking away and they're like, hey, tomorrow are you coming? And I had no idea what happened. It actually happened at the party that night as well. And it really freaked me out because every time that I would smoke a joint after that, I would experience these little mini blackouts and it was scary because it it never, thank goodness, happened when I was driving or anything like that, but something happened and something was in those pills that I had taken. Now you would think that I would stop taking things after that if I didn't know what they were, but that wasn't the case. And especially when I drank, it would lead to all sorts of other things, right? I mean, as soon as I put that first drink in my body, I, my power of choice literally went away. You know, I didn't say no to anything. I would try anything. And, you know, frankly, I just, I just got stupid. So, um, yeah, for me, drug addiction started early. I looked at it as fairly harmless at the time, but of course, you know, not having that fear of ingesting something and, you know, potentially dying from it because I do know people who have died from drug addiction. Um, You know, that looking back now, of course, that's pretty scary. My drug use didn't really escalate until about, I'd say, five years after I graduated. I had had a series of uh, moves because I couldn't pay my rent and I just became incredibly unreliable due to my alcoholism. But Things kind of took a turn for the worst when I decided I needed a change in scenery. So I actually got a job at a golf course and I fit right in there. I mean, we drank a lot. We could drink during the day sometimes. Uh, We'd do shots when we came in in the morning if we were too hungover. So it was really a super fun environment for me. Now, that being said, I also, most of my check uh, ended up going towards my bar tab. So I think 
Usually at the end, I was left with enough money to pay my rent just barely. And I could buy craft dinner and, you know, noodles. And that was about it. Um, thank goodness I could eat at the golf course, which really helped me out. But I didn't really care because I was having a good time. And, you know, that was just, that was kind of my scene back then. And I had met somebody that I worked with at this golf course and we became really good friends. And one evening after one of our tournaments, you know, we had had a bunch of drinks after with some of the customers and she had suggested, you know, maybe we head out. She needed to make a quick stop and we were going to go back to my place and have some drinks. And my roommates were there. So we thought, hey, let's just carry on this evening without all the, you know, debauchery that was going on at the golf course at the time because things could just get really bad especially when the strippers were involved so I'm not going to get into that but um, anyway we ended up going making a quick stop and she ran out grabbed something and came back and just said hey you know have you ever tried cocaine before and I said no but you know I've always wanted to I just don't know anybody who sells it and she said, well, I have some and I was thinking we could use it tonight. Now, little did I know that uh, my friend and we still know each other today, we're still friends today, um, that she had actually had a problem with addiction uh, much before we even met or used together. And so she had said, hey, you know, I thought I'd grab some and this is actually in the form of crack. Now, I was very naive when it came to any hard drugs at the time. I just knew cocaine is cocaine and that was it, right? It was this white powdery that I've seen people use before, but I didn't know there were different forms. And so we went back to my place and I remember her telling me, you know, it's going to make your buzz go away a little bit. You'll feel more in control. And I was a blackout drinker at that time. So I thought this is perfect, right? If I can get a hold of my drinking and I'm not going to black out and forget half the evening, I'm totally down. So we went out to go sit on the patio, of course, because my roommates were there and they were two very amazing guys. They were great friends, but they did not <laughs> use drugs. And so we wanted to kind of keep it away from them. And I'm sure had they known what we they that what we were doing out there, they probably would have freaked out a little bit. And, you know, eventually they would find out. But regardless, I remember sitting on the deck and she uh, managed to make this makeshift pipe with a beer can. And so she put the little rock on top and she explained how to do it, you know, to basically get rid of all the air in my lungs put the, the pop can or beer can to my lips and just inhale as deeply as I could and hold it for as long as I could. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll do that. And so I did that. And I remember that first just release and it it felt, it's hard to describe, but it was like I got this instant rush of energy. I felt clarity, that buzz that I had had, you know, when you get kind of a little bit too drunk and you kind of feel like you're out of control. All of a sudden that control came back and I felt completely alive. I felt invincible. I felt like I could do anything. I actually felt like I could go for a run and I was terribly out of shape, but it just gave me a sense of confidence. And it was very similar to that first time that I had that drink and I just got drunk and I felt alive and that everything had kind of become more colorful. Well, this was my first experience with smoking crack and um, 
you know, I, I didn't think anything of it. I didn't look at it as something that was bad. I just said, hey, you know what? I'm doing some cocaine. Like, what's the big deal, right? And, you know, unfortunately, though, because of how addictive my personality is and mine just doesn't stick to one thing. I know a lot of people who suffer from addiction, they only had problems with maybe just alcohol or just drug use. Um, you know, they had either or, but for me, it was everything. Anything that I tried that was mind altering, I would get hooked to. Over time, this kind of behavior or these kind of evenings became very regular um, oftentimes after a shift at the golf course, we would head back to my place and we would use most of the evening. Now, you know, we always tried to hide it from my roommates and I knew that they probably thought something was up at the time, but, um, you know, we would just be playing cards all night and just chatting away because what happened was you became completely antisocial, right? And I think my friend would actually leave and go to the bathroom and you know smoke some herself so that she would get a little bit more and you know when we would run out of course the problem with cocaine is that when you start using it it's very hard to stop and so we would actually start pulling check scams um, because of course neither one of us made very good money most of our paychecks went to our bar tabs um, and so of course we would start depositing checks and they would bounce a couple days later and believe it or not actually probably only as of about a year ago I can now finally and keep in mind this was in my 20s I am now in my 40s I can now deposit a check without there being a hold on it so we did that a lot until the banks didn't allow us to but it would give us that cash um, because cocaine was very expensive right and we would drive in the middle of the night, you know, one, two in the morning, and we would go pick up more uh, from a dealer and actually sit in these, um, you know, crack houses, things that you see in the movie, you know, places that there are just addicts sitting there using together. Nobody's talking. It's very eerie. And in all honesty, I mean, these are things that I experience, but never did I ever think that I would end up at places like these. And it was just... It was kind of the depths that my addiction took me to because, you know, when you're using drugs like that, it's you'll do anything for them. And so, you know, we would drive out in the middle of the night, go grab some, smoke some there, and then, of course, head home. And, you know, the entire time I was driving and incredibly paranoid, I could have killed somebody. And I'm just super grateful that I didn't. Um, and I was never, you know, pulled over or anything, but it just wow, like I, I think back to it and how I felt and how paranoid I was. And it was really a terrible feeling. But I just, I couldn't let up on that feeling of, you know, being invincible, almost like nothing could touch me, nothing could harm me. And I absolutely loved it. I chased that, right. And I wanted to do it as often as I could. After I realized that uh, the golf course was not going to pay my bills and it wasn't going to cover my newfound habit, I decided that I needed to get a new job. So I actually reached out to a friend of mine and she had hooked me up with a good job that was a little bit out of town. So I didn't love the commute, but it was still, it paid a lot better. It was full time. Uh, the hours were great. It was like 11 to 7. So of course I could sleep in. I didn't uh, hit rush hour traffic or anything like that. And I still had all evening to hang out with friends. And you know, I had done okay for a couple months, but I started to become incredibly reliable as an employee. 
Um, I would call in sick a lot because, of course, we'd be up smoking all night. And then come 4 a.m. when you have to stop, um, it was really hard to get to sleep. And, you know, when you're not falling asleep till 9 or 10, it makes it really difficult to go into work by 11. So I would call in sick at that point. Uh, So I think I was probably sick more than I was there. And then um, about, I'd say, a few months in, uh, my friend had asked me, you know, to come stay with her for the week because her boyfriend was away and we'd go get some Coke and we'd get some alcohol and some food and we'd just have like a movie week kind of thing, right? And we had really only planned on using that first night because I had the second day off. And so we did and that carried on for seven days. Now, of course, after the second day, I had called in... Um, well, not sick, I had called in and actually used the excuse that a family member had passed. And that that makes me sad because that's not something that I would ever joke about today. But I, you know, was desperate to make sure that if I called in sick and I was going to be away for that week, that I actually had a really good excuse that they would think, okay, you know, poor her, and they would be understanding about it. And you know, I came back after that week and I was just, I looked sick. You know, I looked at myself in the mirror when I'd gone home after that week and I just felt absolutely destroyed physically. And I went to work that first day, walked in, uh, didn't hear anything. Um, you know, a couple people had acknowledged that I returned, but didn't say much. And, you know, I think they knew by this time that something was up. And I remember driving around and one of the orders that I was picking Uh, called for some kegs of beer and it's kind of ironic that you know I suffer from alcoholism and I had this order with five kegs of beer as I of course my pride and I thought I was strong I decided to lift all five of these kegs of beer onto my palate and um, I ended up on the very last keg of beer slipping a disc in my back now I didn't know that that's what it was at the time but I just kind of buckled over in this excruciating pain I was dating a guy that was super nice uh, that worked there as well. He had his first aid, I believe, if I can remember correctly. There's, you know, I'm I'm pointing out the stories that I remember very vividly um, and then uh, kind of filling in the blanks. But, you know, I remember him taking care of me. He took me back to his place. And of course, I didn't say that I'd just been on this seven, seven day bender um, and my body was weak and that's exactly why it happened. But um, you know, from that point, I'm like, okay, you know, now I'm going to be off work a little bit. And that was kind of really the, <laughs> it, it was a terrible three months. But for someone who is an addict, it, you know, getting paid um, to be off work and literally forced to be off work because my, my back was so bad. I wasn't faking that at all. I wasn't allowed to go back and I would continue to go to physiotherapy and get help and I'd ask them when I could go back because I was seriously worried about losing my job which is kind of ironic considering how much I had called in sick previously and I would have just pretty much lost my job alone due to that. But I spent the next three months basically parting my face off. You know I couldn't do a lot in terms of you know going out dancing or going to bars or stuff like that but I would hang out with my friend and her boyfriend as he made deliveries 
And I would have my, you know, 18 pack of beer in the back and we'd be doing lines. I remember one night, um, you know, this was an ideal life for me. I was getting paid more than I would if I was working. I was off. I was going to physiotherapy. I was actually trying to get back to work, believe it or not. So it wasn't like I was trying to prolong this time that I was at home. But, um, you know, we were out one night and uh, we had drank a little bit too much. And so my friend's boyfriend said, hey, you know what, why don't we stop, get a hotel? Um, He ended up uh, making a lot of money around that time. So he picked out a picked up a big mound of cocaine. We rented a hotel room and we just started using all night long. I had a they got me a little ensuite there, so it was nice. I had my own privacy. Um, you know, they always took good care of me as a friend, but unfortunately, our relationship together while we were using was very toxic. And I just I remember my friend and I were sitting on the bed just chatting, playing cards. And then, you know, we heard a a yelling from the bathroom and my friend's boyfriend had actually taken a shower and it was so hot that the steam, when he opened it up, the tray of cocaine actually got a little bit soggy. And um, I don't know why we put a tray right by the bathroom door. Uh, I guess we just kind of wanted it away out of sight. So we weren't just using constantly. But anyway, um, we ended up snorting what felt like rocks up our noses the whole rest of the night and you know those kind of evenings became common not always the hotel thing but we would go and you know one night we went and did some coke and we'd also grab some ecstasy and use that and I fell in love with that as well Um, it actually got to a point where I would bring it with me when I went to the island to go visit some friends and just kind of give it to everybody because I was so excited about how these drugs made me feel and of course none of my friends over on the island were going to try cocaine because uh, they didn't do that stuff but you know I just I really promoted this kind of behavior and I would you know borrow money from my boyfriend at the time and saying that I was putting it towards bills or you know towards rent and stuff like that and you know today I feel really you know, um, what's the word I'm trying to use? I had, you know, regret and remorse for that kind of behavior because especially, you know, this guy, he was probably one of the nicest guys that I had dated back then and he always took care of me and yet I treated these people like crap, you know. It was all it was almost like, okay, well, they had some extra money, they took care of me, they met my needs at the time, but because I was always high or drunk, I never treated these people with the respect that they deserved. After my three months of being off work, I was finally told I was allowed to go back and that my back had healed uh, well enough that I could start working again. And to be honest, I was kind of excited because I felt run down. I felt like I had just absolutely destroyed my body and I felt like I looked sick. So I walked into work that day full of excitement, ready to turn my life around. And of course, I got snagged by my boss right away and I got let go that day. And that just kind of sent me into a tailspin. And from that point on, I really started to attract other people who used Um, I just surrounded myself with a lot of different people and you know my a typical evening was going out to a nightclub and doing lines in the bathroom heading out to a house party afterwards and carrying on the evening I even uh, we went to a house party one night and not one of my finer moments but we were all in the hot tub and I believe we were topless or naked Um, I think it was naked and my friend's husband um 
was actually having sex with another woman. So I decided I needed to escape this because I felt a little bit uncomfortable regardless of how high I was. And it was slippery. It was winter. And I got out of the hot tub or tried to get out of the hot tub and ended up falling face first out onto a very slippery, hard wooden deck. And uh, I think my ego was very bruised um, as well as my arms and legs and shoulder. But other than that, um, no real damage was done. I think other than my pride, but you know, I, it didn't matter where we ended up. I, I really was not concerned about the consequences. You know, we would head over to biker bars, um, you know, of local chapters in the area. And I got left there sometimes because I was so stubborn and so high or drunk that I didn't want to leave. And I would just get random rides home from people I had no idea who they were these bikers that had these semi trucks and it was just the way it was right it was there was no consequences at all to any of my actions and most of the time I don't even remember how I got home right I would just wake up and I actually had a little mattress on the floor I didn't even have a bed at the time and I would be half on it and half off you know that's at least I made it half on there so I guess the mattress on the floor was rather convenient because I could literally walk into my bedroom and just kind of kind of crumple down onto the floor and most of the time I did make it partially on that very soft mattress. So as time went on I started to feel lonely because at this point I hadn't been in a relationship for a few years now and this was actually I think uh, probably the longest stretch uh, that I had been single for um, but I really only cared about my using. I mean I had been in that uh, short relationship uh, when I was working at that job that I got let go from. Um, but I really hadn't been in a serious relationship and I was starting to feel lonely again. And so I actually went over to a friend's house one day and met this guy there. And I'm going to get into this relationship in a future episode. I'm just letting you know that now I'm not going to dig into it today because it didn't end well. Um, that's a whole other episode. But uh, regardless, when I met this guy... I asked what his deal was and my friend said, hey, he's had, you know, struggle with addiction before and he's just trying to get back on his feet and stuff. And so I was like, "Okay, that's cool. You know, Um, way to go. I didn't understand why he was there, of course, because these friends of mine would use quite often. In fact, that very evening, the coke came out and we started doing lines. And of course, this guy started to partake. Now, he had told me that he had an addiction to crack and it was okay for him to do the occasional line. And of course, because I was high, I really didn't care. You know, today, um, I mean, you know, bringing drugs out in front of somebody who is recovering or trying to recover would just be a no brainer, right? That's like a hard no. But um, back then, obviously, I didn't have any clarity in my life and I was struggling myself. And so I only wanted to get high. I didn't really care what the consequences to getting high around him were. And so, you know, we met, we fell in love, and we just started dating. And so it became a very toxic relationship. Like I said, I'll get into that in a future episode. Um, But it just, it, um, it, it seeped, my addiction seeped into so many different areas of my life. I had invested about four years into this relationship that was incredibly toxic, um, volatile. I myself had become abusive. I, you know, after a weekend of him being away disappearing, 
using i remember you know pushing him around and throwing canned goods at the wall to try and hit him um and you know i was just i became very angry i became very insecure and so i remember one night uh i made him drive me over to his dealer's house and pick me up a bag of crack and i wanted to hurt him so bad it it was funny because i was doing primarily just lines of coke at the time every once in a while if I'd go to the bar and I thought that I was actually better than him right because he was now a crackhead and I just was pretty classy and I just remember getting home and sitting on the couch and was so angry at him that I smoked the whole bag to my head and I felt sick Um, the next day was awful because of course I didn't sleep at all that night and he cried and I just at that point I wanted to hurt him I wanted to hurt myself you know there was many times during this four years that I wanted to end my life you know I didn't think I was worth it I didn't think I could do better and so it ended and like I said I'll get into that in a future episode but that next couple months were probably one of the darkest um, of my life and I remember moving in with um, the friends actually that uh, I started using with and I spent the next two months isolating, um, struggling with severe depression and I would just wake up in the morning, I would go to work and I could barely wake up, I would go to work, Um, it's amazing I held my job down, I would come home, go for my walk, eat my dinner, uh, do a line in my bedroom and uh, I would have a few drinks with my roommates to say that I socialized and then went back to my room and just did lines of coke all night on my desk. Um, I would smoke a joint, do some or not do some. I would take some sleeping pills to try and fall asleep and it would take me a few hours, but eventually I'd get to sleep and I would repeat that the next day. And that was just the way my life was. You know, I didn't want to see people. I wanted to stay very far away from everyone. And uh, I just, I, I felt like I was destroying myself slowly. One evening after my two months of isolation, I was invited out to a birthday party and I really didn't want to go, but my roommates were adamant that I get out of the house because they, you know, kind of saw what I was doing to myself. And so I went and I actually, as I was mingling with friends, having a good time, I really, I was super grateful that I was there. Um, because I just felt sick and worn out. Um, I got a tap on the shoulder and I actually turned around and it was my best friend Bev from high school. We are best friends today. And I hadn't seen her for a few years because of course we had grown apart after high school. And I just, I was super surprised. It was so good to see her. I got to say hi to her family again and meet her new husband. And, you know, for the first time, I think I actually felt that hope that, maybe life was going to get better in the future. I wasn't ready to stop yet at this point. But that was, I think, my first kind of, you know, just experience with seeing hope for my life getting better. And, you know, so I really tried. I, over the next few months, I tried to smarten up a little bit and just keep it to drinking. But of course, it was really hard. Um, I had a guy that I worked with that actually um, sold cocaine. So it made it really easy for me to get high And, you know, I would spend evenings um, on weekends sometimes just getting completely annihilated and um, up all night and paranoid. And, you know, I remember one evening it was kind of it's funny when I look back now, but 
I remember he came over and I walked into the garage and him and one of my other friends were packaging the cocaine up in little flaps so he could distribute it. And they're like, hey, come and help. You know, we'll give you some free stuff. And I'm like, great. So I did. And that night um, there was actually a gas leak. I think it happened probably at about one or two in the morning. And I had actually just planned on going home because I had promised a friend that I would go on a hike, which obviously wasn't happening at this point. Um, but anyway, the the guy that I worked with was so high and so incredibly paranoid that he thought the police uh, that came to and the fire department came to try and stop this gas leak. They blocked all the roads off. He thought that they were there for him. And just goes to show you that the effects of alcohol are pretty crazy and drugs together. Pretty crazy. And so we ended up, you know, sitting there all evening playing cards while he looked out the window thinking that we were about to get arrested at any moment. And, you know, this stuff I can look back and it's funny now because it's just absolutely insane. But at 7 a.m. that next day, I actually drove home and climbed into bed. And that's where I stayed for the entire remainder of the day. A turning point for me back then was... One evening, I'd gone out with my roommates. We went to a house party. Now, what I didn't know is that uh, my friend had started using again um, and was hiding it from myself, not only myself, but her boyfriend. And so we went to this party. And of course, I went downstairs and saw people doing lines and I couldn't help myself. I, I contemplated not doing it because I really wanted to stop. But uh, of course, you know, after they had all finished and kind of looked up, at me and I got that offer I couldn't say no and so I spent the next hour uh, using with them and my roommates had come down and opened the door and saw what I was doing and actually got really upset with me it was a very quiet ride home Um, that very next day I actually had plans with Bev and I was house sitting that weekend and so we were gonna have dinner you know during the day go do some shopping watch a movie and just kind of hang out and I was really excited so my intention was to go to this party Um, just have a few drinks and then have an early night at home. But that didn't happen, of course. And when I got back to the apartment that I was house sitting, I couldn't fall asleep. I took a couple sleeping pills, nothing happened. And I ended up spending most of the evening awake. And of course, the next day, uh, went out with Bev, we went shopping, got some fresh air, which was great, but I could barely stay awake that night. And I just remember thinking to myself, because, um, You know, for those of you that know me and those of you that know Bev, I have the utmost respect for her. She has been my absolute rock through this journey um, from high school until now. And I knew right then that if I was going to keep someone like her in my life, I had to change. You know, I did not want to be this person. I did not want to be unreliable. I didn't want to hurt people or lie to them and tell them I was going to change when I knew I wasn't. And so that was actually one of the last days for eight years that I had done cocaine. And I had managed to keep it to just kind of some light drugs. Of course, my drinking got worse in that eight years. But uh, regardless, I had managed that day because I got another glimmer of hope that I could turn my life around and I was going to do this for other people, right? I was going to do this because it was important to me to have these friends in my life because at this point, I had a lot of friends that, you know, my relationship was very codependent. They weren't healthy. I would just want to use or drink around these people. And so I needed some light in my life. And I I find that having Bev back in my life gave me a little bit of that life back then um, that I needed to see, right? And it would only get better. But, you know, for the next eight years, 
Um, I kept it pretty much to drinking and just using the occasional, you know, soft drug kind of thing, smoking joints. That's about it. Now, as life carried on, I eventually would get married. I'm going to also talk about that in a different uh, episode. And, you know, the guy that I had married, actually, my ex-husband, he had told me because he knew that what I was going through um, involved harder drugs. And he told me when we first got into the relationship that he wasn't going to tolerate that, that he had had issues in the past and it wasn't welcome in his life. And, you know, so having the combination of Bev coming back into my life and, you know, meeting my my husband, I finally felt like I had enough of a base to kind of get started with. And I really didn't think I had a problem at the time, right? I mean, I knew that drugs had definitely become an issue, but I never looked at myself as an addict. I never looked at myself as an alcoholic. And so I'd gone eight full years without using. And then I remember uh, one night going out to a friend's place and seeing some Coke, really wanted to use it. Um, I had been offered it. I said no, um, but I just got that feeling again, you know, like, oh, I would love to have a line. Like I remember what it felt like. And that's the thing. I haven't used for so long, especially now, but I could still feel what it did to me. I could, it just felt so good, right? I got that in, that anticipation, that excitement of, of doing it. And so the first time I was confronted with it, I didn't use it because we had actually moved away. Um, so I really wasn't in the area or scenery that I was before. So that helped a lot. Um, but then I went out uh, to visit a, an old friend of mine and we had actually, decided we were just going to have a nice evening. I was going to come home for dinner. I always made promises to my husband that I would be home for dinner. And after a bottle of wine that led to the second bottle of wine and we were having a great time, I decided that I was going to be home a little bit later than dinner. And the friend of mine suggested that maybe we go grab some Coke. And so we did. We went out for dinner. We grabbed some Coke. We ended up using most of the evening. And right from the time I started to pick up again, I started sneaking it behind my husband's back, you know, so I would go out to friends places and suggest maybe we get some because of course, I still knew some people who used and I had actually met some people who occasionally used. So I slowly started to pick it up again. And we would go out and I would slip into the bathroom and do a couple lines. And I don't know if my husband now ex husband actually knew that I was doing that. But it, you know, it became something that almost became a necessity to me again. I think picking up again and starting to use along with my drinking really brought me to a depth um, that I couldn't have imagined. You know, it happened a couple times before, but I really started to feel that depression seep back in. I was like, I was always insecure, but at this point, my marriage wasn't going well Um, I was suffering. I was 215 pounds. So I was incredibly overweight because we ate so much and we drank so much. And, you know, now with drugs coming back in my life, I knew that I was in big trouble. And, you know, I just wanted to end my life. I was done. I didn't want to live like this. I didn't want to risk hurting people again. And I knew that, you know, drug use was a very slippery slope for me. Um, I had a good job. I'm, I was very stressed out at work, which, you know, the drug use didn't help. All, all the, you know, addiction in my life, it made my stress level so incredibly bad because I never slept well. Um, I was always hung over and, you know, it's amazing. I actually, um, I wasn't actually super unreliable 
during uh, those eight years that I was only drinking, um, which is incredible because, of course, with the drug use, um, I had lost two jobs back to back and I was not all that reliable at all. 2012, of course, is when I turned my life around and in a upcoming episode, I'm going to dive more into the world of recovery. But for now, um, you know, that was, I think, um, sitting on the kitchen floor with a bottle of pills and looking at my dog as his head was tilted to the side and just me wanting to end my life. It was a moment that I just knew I had to let that inspire me to create a better a, a better life for myself. And so I did. Um, that was the last time that I ended up using and I am still clean and sober today. I am so incredibly grateful that I've been able to come out of that life because as I've learned uh, through recovery, I've lost a lot of friends, you know, out of all the people that I cleaned up with. Uh, there's not a lot of them that are around anymore. You know, they gave it a good go at uh, recovery and unfortunately they weren't able to stick with it. So, you know, the sad reality is there's a lot of us out there with um, cross addictions and um, just multiple a number of addictions. And for me, like I said, I can't just use one thing. Um, you know, alcohol always leads to something else. And, you know, for me today, if I were to say smoke a joint, that would surely lead to drinking. And I know that, you know, I've really had to accept that my life becomes completely unmanageable when I ingest any sort of substance and that it will always lead to something else. And, you know, although a lot of people that actually start drinking after they've stopped for a while can manage it for a little, there's a lot of us that cannot. And I am fully aware um, now that I've looked back on my history and just my using behavior that for me, if I were to pick up again, it's not going to end well. You know, I might be able to control it for a little bit of time. But the reality is, is I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. And I'm okay with that today. You know, I have recovered. Um, it has, you know, become an asset for me in a way, because even though I was ashamed for so long, and I carried that shame and guilt around with me, I have since made amends to the people that I owed one to. And, you know, tried to pay my debts back and also just kind of lead by example, right? Um, do that living amends where instead of just telling people I was sorry and telling people that I had wronged them, showing them that I'm making an effort to become a better person. So, you know, if you are struggling um, with any type of addiction or you're, you're just, there's things that you're totally ashamed for in your life talk about it, you know, learn to let that shame go. And that shame does not have to define who you are today. I know that I now use these experiences to help others. I, you know, help coach people towards achieving their goals. And it's something that I'm absolutely passionate about. So, you know, really, my past has created my current passion to help serve others and help them create the life that they so desire and they want to build for themselves. So um, I really hope you guys enjoyed that. It's not an easy time for me to talk about, but I want to put it out there because it really doesn't matter what we've done in our past. It doesn't have to define who we are in the future and it can allow us to help others, like I said. So 
If you know anyone who is struggling from addiction, make sure you share this episode out. Uh, They could just be struggling with anything in general. I find that by being vulnerable and sharing what we were ashamed of in our past, it can help be such a healing process. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you so much for being part of this journey with me as I bear all and share little tidbits of what are going to be in the book Hope Elevated. July 14th is the launch date. And guys, until next time, take care. That wraps up another episode of the Road to Health podcast, where my goal is to empower and inspire you to build a firm belief in your own ability to change your life and start achieving your goals. I know from experience, it can be hard to make healthy lifestyle changes that actually stick. I work with people to help them define their goals and identify the roadblocks that stop them from achieving them. If you would like to take advantage of a free consultation call to figure out how you can reach your goals, visit my website at www.theroadtohealth.me and book today. When you're there, make sure you sign up for my five steps to achieving your goals. And until next time, be safe and healthy.